You're late. How sad. What's it like? If only I could hear your answer. We paid our respects. Words were said and hymns sung. Tears flowed and we swore we would never forget you. We spent almost half an hour reflecting on your life and the impact of our loss and then filed out into the sunlight to begin another day. Already, your image becomes blurred. We swore to never forget you, but on this anniversary we are unsure of who you are and why we must linger for a moment. In gallantry, punctuality is all, and you are now so very late. It is probable that you will no longer arrive. In your absence, we ask today's question. Why a submarine? place a pebble on top of a boulder in the desert sun, do you know what connects the pebble to the boulder? The everyday soul will say gravity, and indeed this can be considered normal. The scientist may answer that no surface is ever truly smooth if you look closely enough. There are minute mountains perched on top of each other, separated with swathes of void. This also can be considered normal the shaman would look at the pebble and the boulder and answer that the shadow between them connects them. This is the spirit world, the darkness that intertwines all things and where the spirits dwell. The darkness is amongst us all the time, everywhere and simply grows and shrinks depending on the diurnal passage. This is where the shaman works, crossing the bridge between reality and imagination. This is where gallantry lies, Welcome to darkness. Welcome to gallantry. Again. Thank you, Eustace. And now more of the giant clear-up after the great fire of gallantry. We go over to the steps of the council chamber, where Mayor Ms. Lorna X is addressing the crowd. Good morning, dear Gallatry citizenry. I am pleased to announce that we have now lifted martial law in the town after the recent mm, events and the number of residential fires the other night. We have the toy situation under control and the clean-up work is largely underway. Every citizen has responded to my call for unity and although you now have no choice but to obey, I am still very pleased with you all. The mayor paused for a moment and reflected before continuing. This is how I want to govern you all going forward. I call it the four log leadership principle. Number one, prologue. I tell you what I want you to do. Number two, dialogue. This is the democracy bit. I ask you whether you have understood what I want you to do, and you say yes. If you say no, please go back to one again. Number three, epilogue. I ask you whether you've done it yet. And if you've done as I ask, 
there is a number four, which is called Yule Log, which is a small, sickly annual gift that you can all look forward to. Remember, there are only three things that would stop us achieving my, mm, our goals here in Gallatry. Asking pointless questions, not following my leadership principle, and asking pointless questions. Thank you. Well, dear listeners, I'm sure that we all feel more comfortable in our beds at night, knowing that the mayor is working so tirelessly to make Gallatry a better place. And now, an important civic announcement. Remember, everyone, that tonight at 2am, the Lecky Techie authorities will be cutting the power to the whole of the town in order to repair the essential equipment in the grid that was damaged by the fire. Please don't be alarmed, dear listeners. This is a normal, well-adjusted, pleasing and stress-free procedure in order to get the civic infrastructure back to tip-top puckiness. We should all be asleep in our beds and we should not notice a thing. So do not fret the perpetually scared. That reassuring light you left on will go out for two minutes. But all is well. Do not be afraid. It will come back on and you will look down at yourself and feel your arms and legs and realise that you are still here and in one piece. Do not fret florists, zombies and the confused brethren. We will all come through okay. Wake again for another day's toil at the mayor's behest, dear, dear listeners. I too will be off the air for two minutes, but I haven't left you like your first sweetheart. Oh no, I will be back. And I still love you. In other community news, we've been talking to regular listener and madcap freelance philosopher Dick Lake, Aquarius, who has a story about his wife, Bess. Dick maintains that she has turned herself into a three-foot-high stone horse via mail-order hypnosis in order to be more at one with her primitive side. Although it was a big heave, according to Dick, he lifted Bess into the garden on his own so that she could live a free and wild life and then recount her experiences to him for his upcoming new book, The Man Whose Wife Turned Into a Stone Horse. However, the... Good morning, Gallatry. It's 7am and I still love you. Breaking news. Down on the high street, apparently something very strange has happened overnight. To be fair, dear listeners, I kind of expected something was going to happen last night. Let's go over to Jenny Jennings to describe the scene. Morning, Jenny. What's going on? Well, I'm not quite sure where to begin. A submarine seems to have appeared in the middle of the high street. It sat at an oblique angle, almost blocking the entire pedestrianised shopping area, skewed on its side like a dying whale, or a tortured joke. It's covered with aged barnacles, rust and some freshly sprayed tags already. It must be at least 200 feet long, 30 or 40 feet high, and its engines must still be working, as the propeller is still turning in the air like a Dutch clown's bow tie on clog holiday. Tell me, Jenny, is there any sign of life or markings to identify it in any way? Well, I'm now walking round the chemist so I can get a closer look at the conning tower. The hatch is shut. There's no sign of anyone trying to get out. Hang on, I'll just have a peek round here. There are some markings on the side of the tower. It reads, um, UB65. Just a shot in the dark. Could it be a U-boat? Thanks, Jenny. 
Very strange that, considering we're the most landlocked town in the country, that a submarine could get so lost in the dark on the canal network. If any of our dear listeners could help identify the vessel from the marking UB65, please call in. I will keep you updated. And now back to the story earlier about the local eccentric Dick Lake and his imaginary stone horse for a wife. After a tip-off from a concerned neighbour, Chief Anderson and his team were called in to investigate. Chief, what's going on down there? Hello everyone. We were tipped off that Mr Lake, eccentric and freelance philosopher, did actually have a wife. We didn't fit the description of a horse, stone or otherwise. We conducted a thorough search of the house but could not find any evidence of her living on the premises. We did find this highwayman's costume, bales of hay, an industrial-sized carton of sugar cubes, but not a lot else. Then, when one of my officers disturbed the bales of hay, he found some recent scratch marks on one of the back walls. He investigated and found that rather being stone, like the fake wallpaper suggested, the wall sounded hollow, and when wrapped upon... Thank you, Eustace. Now an update on the submarine. We've had a call, dear listeners. We think we may have a lead on the uninvited ship sopping in salty sputum on our shopping street. Ms Donna Penny from the Council's Specialist Scientific Department explains. I've referred to the 1977 book, Mysteries of the Unknown, and I think I've been able to identify the vessel. UB65 is, or I should say was, a U-boat. This U-boat was in action during the Great War. It was dogged with problems from the very start. It sank on its maiden voyage and had to be rescued to the surface. They found several of the crew asphyxiated in the engine room. Then another couple were crushed later by a falling beam. The ship got a reputation for being cursed. No crewman wanted to sail in her, and even the Krieg's Marine Command took it so seriously they had the vessel exercised. It subsequently made it into action and sank some enemy ships. But it was in July 1918 that she met her end. Her end, we asked. An American submarine was patrolling the coast of Cornwall where a Portuguese ship had been recently sunk and then they saw a lonely boy on the horizon. When they got closer to investigate, they saw it was another surface sub. Then suddenly it just sank. They found no bodies, no crew, no evidence that the ship had been hit in battle. But the most curious thing they saw was just before the explosion that made UB-65 famous. They even recorded it into their own ship's log, which would have been very rare at the time. Curious thing, we asked. They reported seeing a figure hovering over the deck in a German officer's coat with his arms crossed looking defiantly back at them. That's why UB-65 is always known as the haunted submarine. Well, thanks, Donna. Why should a long-sunk haunted submarine... Stop that now, Eustace. (coughs) But now, dear listeners, community news. Public service announcement. We now go over to a special civic briefing down at the health centre, where a council health official is to give us an extraordinary briefing about a public health issue. A freckly woman in a white coat is standing next to the mayor. She is shoved slightly forward by the mayoral manicured hand into the glare of the camera lights and the bulbous microphones on the lectern. Hello, dirty gallery folk. 
My name is Dr. Rian. I've been asked by the mayor to warn you of a recent spate of unusual deaths in here that we think are due to a previously unknown virus. I don't want to alarm anyone, but I actually think it's quite alarming. When we found the first one, we thought it could be another weird death of a zombie, as is common in the morgue down here. A contorted face, blackened warty skin, almost burnt. To be fair, the last lot we had in the morgue were actually all burnt. Each cadaver with a label marked Smith to their big toe. Bodies lined up out the door, down the corridor, past the vending machine, down the stairs, into the waiting room, into the car park, past the falafel van, over the road and into the bus station. Surprisingly, no one even noticed there. Anyway, I digress. It was when we had the 20th or 30th similar case that we started to think that there was a pattern emerging. So we emptied out the skip in the yard and re-examined the bodies more closely. Each one was male, middle-aged, and still had their cucumbers rampant, so to speak, with a smile on their face. Rigor mortis was kind to them. We also noticed that their bodies smelled sweet, slag perfume sickly, and when tested, each had salty, salty semen all over their gentleman area, just below the porch, so to speak. Each body was covered in a black tarry substance with a large pyramid-like buboes growing out of the skin that looked like, well, barnacles. Imagine that. Conical barnacles on your swanacles. What would the funeral director make of that? The mayor threw an agitated sideways glance at the doctor, and she focused on her notes again. We concluded that each specimen had died in a sexual act. There was no evidence of any other DNA, bodily fluid, or hair other than their own. So we assumed that they all died measuring their manspaniel, so to speak. The blood samples from each specimen all contain the same unknown virus. I've checked the virus databank, went to the phage library, but found nothing. However, it was when we found a survivor that we made the breakthrough. There was a hush in the room as the doctor turned, touched a button on a remote control, and the snow and hiss on a large video screen broke into an image of a man sitting up in a hospital bed. The man began to speak. I was asleep. I woke up feeling feverish and fumbled around for my glasses. I felt that something was wrong. When I sat on the bed and turned on the light, there was a girl sitting in the middle of the bedroom floor. The strange thing was, I wasn't afraid. Well, I was aroused. The girl was blonde with pigtails, blue eyes, and was dressed like a German schoolgirl. She moved towards me into the light and crouched in front of me. She stared directly into my eyes, never blinking in a defiant, provocative manner, and began to move her hand towards her skirt hem. She lifted her skirt and her hungry Teutonic fingers began to explore her own schnitzel. I began to breathe more heavily until the room lit up with a hissing phosphorescent light. I suddenly realised that in her other hand she was holding a spherical anarchist style bomb and the fuse had started to burn magically lighting itself. The bomb had the words Schlamper written on the side. I was worried that it might go off. Then the fuse went out. The girl stopped, stood up 
and simply disappeared. I went back to bed and thought nothing of it until the morning, until my parole officer came around and I told her all about it. That's when the tape ended and Dr. Rianne switched off the video and turned back to the crowd. Well, the interesting thing about Mr. A is that he tested positive for the virus, but didn't die like all the others. So we forcibly took him to the hospital for tests. We discovered that Mr. A had voluntarily been chemically castrated as part of his bail conditions after his conviction in Germany for offences of a, well, unpleasant nature. We theorised that Mr. A, although infected, didn't die because he couldn't unload, even if he wanted to. A bit like an Afghan lorry driver arriving at Dover. I've discovered a new disease here in Gallatry. The German word Schlamper means troller, or loosely translates to tart, so I've decided to name the disease the German schoolgirl tart bomb virus, or GSTB for a catchy headline grabber. Are there any questions? How do you contract the virus? The doctor shrugged her shoulders. What's the source of the virus? The doctor puffed her cheeks out and shook her head. Doctor, so have you found a cure? The doctor simply shook her head and said, nope. So that, is there any way to protect ourselves? The doctor looked down for a moment and then she spoke into the microphone once more. Let's consider what we have learned from the facts of this case so far. If you catch the GSTB virus, from where we do not know, from how we do not know, there is one thing that we must not do. And that is to get aroused by the haunting girl. And well, <laughs> spill your man juice or you will die. So there's only one sure way of not letting this happen. You must get castrated. That's it? What a great public health message. Down with the educated elite. Burn them all. Bloody doctors, what do you know? I went to the University of Life and I turned out all right. The mayor interjected over the microphone in a booming voice. But you got a third. Now shut up. The mayor spoke slowly and clearly. Well, you heard the doctor. If you don't want to die, all you men will have to get castrated unless you think you can hold out from the bomb. Don't give in to it even in your own desires. Don't let it go. Welcome back, dear listeners. What a choice the men of Gallatry face. I too am scared. But we have an update. We have received an email from Dr. Rianne, who cannot be reached to the hospital, that reads, We have just found our first female uh, victim, who has all the same symptoms as the male furnace fodder, and I have discovered another new strain of the virus. I have called it the Smarmy Italian Waiter Peppermill Syndrome, or SIWPMS for short. So don't be getting too hot under the bra strap the next time you eat out for pizza, ladies. When the pepper flies, you too could be dead. Dear listeners, I've taken refuge in the vinyl vault for my own safety. I'm listening to cutting-edge drum and bass on some brightly coloured street headphones wearing my leather trousers. No woman would come anywhere near a middle-aged man doing that. <laughs> But I've just heard of a disturbance down on the high street, so I'm going over to the unfazed Jenny Jennings, who is on the scene. What's happening, Jenny? Well, it's really kicking off down here around the submarine, I can tell you. 
It started as some kind of demonstration, but now it's turning ugly. Thousands of Galatrierians are crowding around the stricken sun, kicking it and hitting it with placards. It appears that they seem to think the submarine has something to do with the virus. There are men with signs saying, think of cricket and live, wearing massive white underpants with copies of wisdom shoved down the front for protection. And men with signs saying, hear no evil, see no evil, my legs are crossed, with bandages tied round their heads, facing the wrong way, protesting outside the chemist like dervishes, and generally being trampled by the others. There are also women with placards reading, no pepper here, Antonio, smothered with molasses. Molasses, Jenny? Well, haven't you heard? Men seldom make passes at girls in molasses. Hang on. The sub has started to glow in a multicoloured flying pattern all over its hull. The umpire music is quite annoying, but not sexy at all. It's as if the submarine is trying to help us. The crowd turn and placards fall from their hands. Copies of Wisdom's bandages and tent-like wifebreds fall like scales from the crown to pavement. The throng all turn to the submarine and approach it quietly, slowly, and, well, everybody is going up to it and laying hands on it. The lights from the sub are rotating quickly now, but then slow down and pulse with a much more syncopated, pleasing pace. Everyone seems very sedate, at peace, tapping their foot and smiling. They look like, well, they're listening to music. I'll give it a go myself. Well, when I laid my hands on the hull, I heard my favourite track that I remember dancing to as a young reporter straight out of college. Oh, those were happy days. I've spoken to some other former demonstrators and they all listened to a pleasing tune, but all the tunes are different. Bluegrass rap, Asian drum and bass, German snuff industrial. The submarine is some kind of giant supernatural jukebox that reflects your own personal taste and it makes you feel good, I can tell you. Thank you, Eustace. Virus update. We have a statement from the Council Health Department. It appears that the submarine is actually the vaccine for the GSTB stroke SIW PMS virus. Anyone who lays hands on that submarine will pick up immunity from the virus and have a pretty cool listen to to boot from the biggest, most impractical iPod in town. The statement doesn't explain how the virus came here, mind, but I have my own theory. Musical taste, like sexual preference, is a personal affair, and we shouldn't all be dictated to by one German bad egg. It's a shame that so many people here in Gallatry have been castrated since the day they heard their first CD. Under the centenary bridge, the moans grow louder and louder, rising in unison. Blissigen as well. Ein Geschenk für Sie, Svetla. Wieder und wieder in Galatry. Immer wieder. In a government building in a small town in southern Germany, a smartly dressed woman is sitting at her writing desk. The phone rings. She answers quickly, as if she's been expecting the call. Ah, Prentice! Well, did the device function as expected? Excellent! And are the toys now dormant again? Excellent, excellent! And the townsfolk are all agreed? Very, very good! It seems like Project Faustus was a great success. 
What? What submarine? Scheisse! What the hell did you press, Prentice? You have been listening to Gallatry, a community-funded local radio station. I'm Adam Aardvark. Max couldn't be around at the end of the show. He often needs to lie down in a darkened room and sort of, well, convalesce. If you enjoyed today's show and want to know more or simply express a simple and not very cogent opinion, then email us at welcometogallatry at gmail.com. You can tell us what you think, although we might already know what you think. Or failing that, if you genuinely have no idea, we can helpfully provide some new ideas that you can call your very own. Ideas that you can share with your friends and family and become a much more interesting and likeable person, if only to yourself. This has been a Gallatry Entertainment broadcast recorded in a haunted pub in Gallatry. No, honestly, voices appeared on the recordings that we later had to edit out. I think we got them all, but who's to know for sure? Anyway, Gallatry is performed by Max Black, written and recorded by Max Black and Adam Ardark. He's copyright Gallatry Productions 2015. Thanks for listening. But remember, on your next journey home, Gallatry may be just around the corner. Catholicismus. <laughs>